Well, guys, today we've got one of our table leaders all the way from table number two right up here is our leader, Randy Ritzema. So if you would welcome, give a warm reload welcome to Randy. He's going to share a word with us this morning. Well, good morning. Um, I have the honor and distinct privilege of bringing uh, the Word this morning. The Word of God is powerful and effective, and uh, what it's planted, where it's planted, it does bear fruit. And this morning, I, have, I want to talk about the battle that we fight. Um, <clears throat> I spoke back a while ago. We talked about manhood. What does manhood look like? And, and uh, there's, you know, the, the typical bees, the, the babes, the ball field, the billfold, the brains, and the biceps. That's generally how we measure ourselves as a man. But God doesn't see it that way. God looks at our heart. As he did, he looked at Saul's heart, and he looked at David's heart, and he saw David's heart, and it was a man after his own heart. Having said that, Braveheart, there's a little clip we're going to watch here in just a minute. Um, I don't know if, you're, if any, has anybody not seen Braveheart? Who wants to admit it? Nobody? Okay, good. Um, but what I love about Braveheart is that Mel Gibson plays William Wallace. And William Wallace was a real uh, uh, person who lived, fought against the, uh, the English who wanted to take over Scotland, and he, he said no. But he originally grew up uh, peace-loving in a farming community. His uh, father and brothers were murdered, and his uncle came and picked him up and mentored him. He came back, and he wanted to farm. That's all he wanted to do. He didn't want anything to do with the conflict. He didn't want anything to do with the fight. He just wanted to farm, just be left alone and continue what his father had done. But circumstances came, and uh, I won't ruin the movie. Well, actually, you guys already saw the movie, but... Um, <laughs> right? <laughs> right? Okay. But uh, So in that, he was drawn into the battle after something horrible happened in his own personal relationships. And... Um, he was, he was forced into the conflict, and after that, he was not afraid to fight. Prior to that, he was unwilling to fight. When he was a young man, he was unable to fight. But when he was drawn into the conflict, he was able and willing to fight. And we'll play that clip here right now, and then we'll uh, move on in our, in our message here today. Sarah, I come to beg you. Confess all and swear allegiance to the king that he might show your mercy. Will you show mercy to my country? Mercy is to die quickly. Perhaps even live in a tower. In time, who knows what can happen? If you cannot believe. If I swear to him, then all that I am is dead already. Die, it will be awful. Every man dies. Not every man really lives. In relation to the battle we fight, we don't fight alone. 
we have someone who stands along our side and fights in and through us. His name is Jesus in the power of the Holy Spirit. You see, Satan is intimidated by our potential in God. Satan opposes our progress and impact. Satan tries to assassinate our hearts with guilt, temptation, and shame. God himself is in and with us. We are more than what? Conquerors in Christ. We fight from a reality of delegated authority and sonship. Our perspective is taking back the ground from Satan in our lives, communities, and nation. In my preparing for this, the title was A Battle to Fight, An Adventure to Live. But I think I'm going to focus more on the battle. I may even go off, go off script a little bit uh, from my own personal experiences. But when it comes to the battle, there is a battle to fight. And if you heard in the video, the, the young maiden was trying to talk William Wallace or Mel Gibson out of um, the hard road, out of self-sacrifice, out of continuing what he began. And it's called compromise. If you only compromise, William, you can live at least in the tower. You can be at least alive, but not really alive. You're here still on this earth, breathing air, but you won't be accomplishing what you set out to do, and that's to keep the freedom of Scotland. You see, every man lives, but not every man. No, every man dies, but not every man lives. So what does that mean? That means that part of our lives is joining in the battle. I mentioned earlier, able and willing. Young William Wallace was not able or willing to fight when he was a boy. But as he grew, he was mentored by his uncle. And he came back, and he was able to fight. He was taught, but not willing to. He wanted to farm. He wanted to be left alone. How many of you want to be left alone at times just to enjoy some peace and quiet, just to enjoy a little TV show, to enjoy a little golf, enjoy a little fishing, enjoy a little conversation with our wives, enjoy a little time with our families, but we certainly don't have time to get involved in things that are more pressing, that are more costly. We talked about the easy button last Tuesday morning walking out of the meeting, and we all want the easy button, right? The staples have went the easy button. But as men, we're not called to a life of ease. It reminds me of the song, How is it that some made it to heaven through flowery beds of ease and others have sailed through bloody seas? And there's times in our lives where there is flowers of ease and beds of comfort. And there's also times of conflict, times of confrontation. The, the, or the, the, the spectrum is there is sin, separation, salvation, sonship, and service. You see, when Adam and Eve fell, they sinned, and that caused a separation and that's where many people are on this earth today, people that we rub shoulders with in our neighborhoods and in our workplaces and where we live. But God wants to bring them salvation. In other words, Jesus is the bridge, as we talked about uh, Sunday, is the bridge between um, our sinful state and a relationship with God now and forever. Jesus is the gap, uh, uh, one who uh, bridges the gap, if you will. So then there's a, a sonship. We're adopted sons. 
See, when we're adopted as sons, what we become co-heirs with Jesus, the Bible says. Co-heirs, he, he's our older brother, the Bible says, which might sound like it brings Jesus down to our level, but he did come down to our level. He did come down to our level to become a man, so he knows what it's like to be rejected, to be honored, celebrated, to be ostracized, to be spoken ill of. Jesus knows what it's like to be all of those things. So he knows what it's like to have someone say to him, oh yeah, well, at least we know who our dad is. That's what the Pharisees said to him. They said, well, if you're the son of God, Satan told, um, um, challenged him. Jesus was constantly barraged with insults, questions, and things that tried to assassinate his position in God, and that's a son. See, if, if Satan can knock you out of that place, he puts you in a place of compromise instead of confidence. When we don't serve or fight from a position of nobility, if you will, we talked earlier about God has noble purposes for us, but as sons, we're princes. As sons, we're related to the King of kings, the Lord of lords. One of the names of God is everlasting father. And because of our experience with our fathers, it may be good or it may be bad. And because we're on this side of heaven, it's usually a little bit of both. But in a video on Sunday, there was a man that talked about his dad was a pastor, but unfortunately, he never felt he was a good father. And his father thought he was. And he had to come to that place where he had to release his father of where he missed it in order for God to bring the healing into his own life. You see, God is our heavenly father, and he wants us all to move into that place of understanding and having not just the information, but the revelation. The revelation. We can, we, I'll tell you one thing. I've been to seminars. I've been on retreats. I've heard messages. I've given messages. But the bottom line is information needs to become revelation. People can say that you're a man. People can say that you're this and that. But when God says it, that brings a strength and a power that gives you stability and courage and confidence. On one of my retreats out in Montana, I had the honor of going a number of years ago. And I remember sitting on the mountainside, and I shared this earlier, that God spoke the truth in love to me. He said, in, in the quietness, looking out over the ravine of the river, and it's just a beautiful backdrop of the mountains, he said to me, you've served me half of your life half-heartedly. Now serve me the rest of your life wholeheartedly. And that hurt a little bit. But God was just being honest with me. He was saying, son, this is where you're at. This is where your heart is. You've, you've given me half-heartedness. I want you to give me wholeheartedness now the rest of your life. And I'm still walking that out today. Another thing, um, my father was a good father, uh, took us to church, provided for us well, um, wasn't always emotionally connected to me, at least I felt, and I felt that distance there, and I felt that distance with God. So sometimes we filter our heavenly father experience with our earthly experience. And God wants to take that, that, that veil, that filter away to say, I am a perfect heavenly father. 
I created you and I know you and I know the hardships you've faced. I know how you were rejected. I know how you were abused. I know that. But I am not like that. You see, men have made choices at times to bless us and at times to curse us, at times to harm us. And so have I. I've done all those things as well. So I've had to come to the place, I even sat on that mountain and said, God, why didn't my dad come to more of my sporting events? He tried when he could, of course, with the work schedule he had. And God said, clear as a bell, it wasn't his strength. See, fixing things, repairing things was his strength. And he taught me much of that. And he also taught me the value of being a man, what it, what it looked like. But never, never having so much that spoken word into my life, that was something that damaged me or hurt me or wounded me. But I had to come to a place, too, where I realized my dad's not perfect. And as I began to reflect on that, neither am I as a father. And that's the, the harsh reality or the repositioning of my, of my perspective to say, God, as I've as my father has missed it with me, I've missed it with my own kids. But I don't want that to continue. I don't want that to continue on into my kids. So I've been more aware of that. I've been more intentional as a man. You see, with William Wallace as well, he was going to die for his fighting the English. And he was willing to do so to the very end. You see, the, the thing about the battle is that you get scars. And if you haven't been in a battle, you might not have scars. Now, you don't go intentionally looking to have scars, but they come with a battle. You know, one of the names of the Lord, Exodus 15, 3, the Lord is a warrior. The Lord is his name. See, Moses knew God as a warrior because he defeated Pharaoh and all of his army. Moses saw it firsthand with his own eyes. He saw all the plagues. He saw um, the parting of the Red Sea. Moses saw those things and he says, the Lord, the Lord is a warrior. You know, God also has experienced battle personally. The Bible tells us that way back, I don't know how many years ago, Satan and a third of the angels tried to take over heaven. It talks about it in Ezekiel. He says, I will take over. I will ascend. I will do all these things. And the epitome of sin is selfishness, right? So it's all about me. I, 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 said Satan. But then Jesus tells us in Luke 10 that he saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Just like that. Boom. So God's familiar with war. He's familiar with rebellion. He's familiar with people that are rising up to say, I don't want any part of you. Matter of fact, I'm going to take your job. <laughs> Did you know that Satan wants to take your job? See, we were designed and created to rule and reign, to take dominion. But if in our passivity, we can allow Satan to take dominion and rule and reign over our hearts, over our minds, over our lives and our wives. So the answer is, Jesus Christ. See, Jesus reminds us that we are sons, and that has to be revelation. It's not just information. We can be told all day long, yes, I am a son of God, I'm a child of God, but until you have that in your heart, until you're convinced of that, it won't create the confidence and the courage that you need to fight the daily battles. See, we're not, we're not left alone to fight the battle. The Bible says 
uh, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. And you've been given the Holy Spirit. You've been anointed and appointed to be world changers and game changers. But just because you're able doesn't always mean you're willing. Just because you're willing doesn't mean you're able. But in Christ, he motivates us and empowers us to make the difference. There's lots of verses about the armor of God. It's Ephesians 6. There's different uh, methods of battle. You see, sometimes God wants us just to rest and pray. Other times he wants us to stand up and say something. Uh, at times it's worship. At times it's prayer and fasting. As it's, Jesus told the, his disciples, this one only comes out through prayer and fasting. So there's different times where God wants us to step up, and there's times where God wants us to stand back. Another good example of that, for instance, is the Battle of Jericho. March around Jericho. Don't say a word. <laughs> What's that going to do? Are you kidding? They marched around, and they obeyed. Didn't say a word. And on that seventh day, they blew the trumpets, and they yelled. And then what happened is the walls came down. Now, I've heard different archaeological uh, comments about that, but pretty much the one that I had heard recently is that basically it's like somebody had shoved the walls into the ground. <laughs> How else could they have run straight in if there was all kinds of rubble, right? And when you think about that stuff, and that creates faith, that creates confidence, that creates, wow, God, that's who you are. The walls just didn't crumble. They came down, perhaps by his divine hand, and they rushed straight in. See, the Bible is very specific about these things. It didn't say that they climbed over the rubble. It didn't say that they had to remove the rubble. They ran straight in. Now, the next battle was Ai. And then God said, I want you to go fight. So there's a time when God says, rest and pray. There's a time he wants us to step up and do something. You know, the movie, Hollywood tells great stories, and Braveheart's one of them, but it's not the only one. Have you guys ever seen Top Gun? Well, what happened? Goose, his uh, navigator, the Maverick horse is flying the plane, Tom Cruise, and uh, they, um, they have to eject, and they eject, and Goose... Uh, must be cracked his neck or, or, or whatever, uh, has hit his head on the canopy as they're rejecting. He dies. And then Tom Cruise, uh, a.k.a. Maverick, doesn't want to get involved anymore. He, he, he goes up, but he won't engage. You ever have that where you've been kind of wounded, kind of disappointed? You're flying. You got the weapons at your disposal. But as Tom Cruise was saying, it's, it's no good. It's no good, and he, and he flies off the flight path of, of the enemy. And um, he went and talked to his commanding officer, and Tom Skerritt was the man who played um, that, that particular person. And he, and he had a conversation with him, and he just kind of listened to him and, and shared a couple of things of, of encouragement to Tom Cruise, a.k.a. Maverick. So they... He struggled, and, and uh, they said, keep sending him up. Keep sending him up. And then one of his pilot mates, one of his classmates, came up to him after one of the exercises, which he refused to engage, and he goes, man, why didn't you engage? Why didn't you engage? You had him in your sights. Why didn't you engage? And Tom turns around, grabs him by the, by the flight suit, and says, 
I will engage when I am good and ready. And of course, it says a few other things. But I will engage when I am good and ready. And then it comes to the place where there's an actual warfare, an actual war scene again, where he's up against the true enemy. There's a confrontation. And he's looking at those, those uh, dog tags of his, of his friend Goose who had passed away. And he's like, talk to me, Goose, talk to me. He's rubbing those in his fingers, uh, between his fingers. And all of a sudden he gets the strength back. He gets the courage back. He engages. He destroys the enemy and everything turns out fine. But there are times in our lives when we're disappointed, when we're disrespected. You know, as a man, the, the most important thing in our, in our hearts is respect. That's why it says in Ephesians, husbands, love your wives. Love is what they crave and need, unconditional love. And when it comes to a man, women or wives respect your husbands is unto the Lord. So when we are disrespected or in some places that, you know, are you dissing me, bro? Yeah, I'm dissing you. So, so then uh, all of a sudden there's a conflict. Because when you disrespect somebody, that's a big deal, especially in the Asian countries. That's a big deal. But also here in America, I've had it before where I've been standing in line and someone just comes and kind of stands next to me and then kind of stands in front of me. And they just cut in front of me and I'm like, wow. And how many know there's car bullies out there, right? <laughs> the alpha male saying, you know, oh, I'll, I'll do one better than you. And at times, our wives, too, um, have disrespected us, or our girlfriends, or other, other women, our moms, perhaps, in our lives, have disrespected us. But that disrespect can damage our hearts, that disappointment of that promotion, or how our, our son or daughter is serving God or not, or how we're not doing what we went to school for, or how we missed that sale, and now it messes us up. There's so many disappointments, and, and, and even pastors have disappointed us. Even uh, people in authority have disappointed us. Bosses have disappointed us. Well, what do we do with all that? Well, it can wound our hearts to the place where we won't engage. We're able but not willing. And God here this morning, I believe, wants us to be encouraged, wants us to be healed, set free, get back in the battle, engage, and continue the purposes he has set forth before us. You see, David was a man after God's own heart. David grew up a shepherd boy. Now, David himself, do you remember the story? Samuel came to anoint the next king. Speaking of disrespected, all the sons came forward. And he's thinking, oh, maybe Eliab, right? The, the guy who's the, you know, the football captain, you know, uh, mean and lean and whatever. But God said, that's not the one I'm looking for. I'm looking for someone else. So Samuel says to Jesse, hey, you got any more sons? Well, yeah, that's Dave. He's out watching the sheep. Well, go get him. Dave? <laughs> okay. Hey, guys, go get your brother. So David comes, and God says, that's the one. That's the one. So then you remember the story of David and Goliath. You see, so often in our lives, I wasn't going to, I had no plans for this, but, you know, we have to shake off, take off that old man, the old ways. And that's that circumcision of the heart. See, it wasn't just a male member that was circumcised. God was talking about the covenant of the heart. 
And he says, I want, you to, I, want, I want your heart to be circumcised, not just part of your body physically. See, that was a physical representation of a spiritual impartation. Covenant. Covenant. You see, when we recognize and realize that God is behind us, and if he's for us, then who can be against us? And, and these scriptures are all, yeah, we sing about it, woohoo, yeah. But it's not just the information, it's the application. And that's where the rubber hits the road. That's where the boys become men of being trained, being brought up. How many times haven't you heard, he wasn't brought up that way? <laughs> so we have a choice. What are we going to do with our training, gentlemen? And I say it to myself. See, I have been in times where I let my wife do the praying. I've been in times where I've let my wife do the disciplining. I've had times where I should have stood up to somebody on behalf of someone else when they couldn't, and I didn't. I typically, my personality is, is more of the golden retriever. It's all good. Let's all get along. Hey, no confrontation, no problem. He didn't mean that. He didn't mean that. And God has brought me to a place of saying, Please don't do that again. That hurt my wife. Don't coach my son like that. You disrespected his heart, and now he's demoralized. Please don't do it that way. They're not all the same. Now, I don't like to be like that, but I have learned to become like that at times when God says, I want you to stand up on behalf of those who can't stand up for themselves. Now, I don't necessarily like that. Confrontation is an acquired taste for me. Others... They were born that way, <laughs> and they love it. They're looking for a confrontation. Are you kidding? Can I get in on this? You heard about the two Irishmen walking down the street, right? Or uh, Irishmen walking down the street, and there's two guys fighting. And he goes, hey, 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 is this a private fight, or can I get in on this? You know? I mean, <laughs> so, so it's like, hey, we're always looking for something. <clears throat> well, here's another level. Bold boys. Now, what does that mean? That means I'm bold, and you're going to be told that I'm right and I'm strong and I'm going to go the distance long, blah, blah, blah. Okay, so <clears throat> that's not says so much about, about me, but it says something about who Christ is in me. See, if it's to be, it's, 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 it's up to me. You've heard that phrase? If it's to be, it's Christ in me. So I had no idea I was going to do this. I just happened to wear this underneath. But <clears throat> Imagine that. See, God has things worked out. I have a whole bunch of scriptures, and I've mentioned a few of them. But, you see, God wants to remind us that we are his sons. He does have a job for us to do. He wants us to be quick to obey and to not be afraid. But, you know, that's the song we know, you know, I'm not afraid. For the Lord, your God. I forget how it goes. Maybe Ricky remembers it. But, but I sing those songs, too, because they create what in me? Courage, confidence, conviction. It's so easy to take the passive road. Adam was there with Eve when she took the fruit. Adam was supposed to say, don't do that. He was supposed to stand up on behalf of Eve and say, no. No, we don't want to go that direction. That's not what God, that's not what God said. So I just want to remind you that the position and the power are from Jesus Christ. See, it's not about, wow, that man's an appointed. Yeah, okay, yep, yep. But at the Holy Spirit's the power plant. It's like the electrical wire and the light going, yeah, look at me, burn bright, yeah. Well, what's the power plant? It's not in the wire. 
It's not the light, it's the current from the power, from the power plant in through the wire to the light. So I'm part of the light and the wire. I am not the power plant. See, and that's where we get messed up as men. We think, I got it going on, I'm you know, strong and I'm brave, and I, you know, bless God, I know scripture. Okay, there's difference between confidence and cockiness. Boldness and cockiness. See, cockiness comes from me. Randy this, Randy that, Randy does this, Randy has done that, Randy knows this. That's cocky. See, that's Randy-based. But God wants us to be Holy Spirit-based. He wants us to be Jesus-based. That's where our strength comes from. And he flows in and through us. So as I look back on my journey, the reality is it's Christ in me, the hope of glory. I am yielded under his power and his authority. Remember when you were kids and you got called for dinner and your older brother or sister said, hey, it's time for dinner. You're like, who said? Dad. You know, and then so then you go back and forth and then see, it's one thing if it's that kid bringing the um, request, but it's another if dad said it. (laughs) Oh, because you know what happens if you don't show up for dinner, if dad said it. Whereas if it's just your sister or brother, you're like, whatever. And it ends up being called two or three or four times. So when we come from that position of strength and position in our authority, see, it's delegated authority. I have given you authority to go and make disciples. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions. I have given you authority. See, it's delegated authority. It's not ours, but it's been delegated to us to exercise in wisdom and discernment. See, wisdom and discernment will help us from keeping making more mistakes. We'll have the wisdom to know how to do it and the discernment when. Timing. There are times when I've said things to, to my wife, and there are times when I didn't say things to my wife. Discernment. And wisdom, I will instruct my kids at times strongly and at times gently. Again, just knowing how to do it and when to do it. God giving us the wisdom to do so. Our time has gone quickly already. Um, I want There's different scriptures. Um, I didn't take time to read them because we didn't really have the time. But uh, Luke 13 talks about there's a... Um, a man who has a vineyard and the tree's not bearing fruit. And the owner says, hey, hey, um, what's the deal with this tree? And it's not bearing any fruit. He goes, sir, give, me, give it one more year. I'll fertilize it. I'll water it. I'll tend to it. If it doesn't bear fruit after a year, then let's go from there. So I believe that scripture is, brings courage to you and me to say God's patient with us. He's, he's cultivating us. He's preparing us for what's next. But it's up to us to cooperate with that. It's up to us to take that step of faith. See, some of, I just talked to someone this morning, and they said that, um, you know, they're making some changes in their family work structure. Well, well how's that going to work? He's following God. He has peace and joy with what God said to him. There's peace and joy that come with God leading us and to say, yes, God, I, I, I will do that. And sometimes you want to be giddy and say, God, okay, if this happens, then I'll do that. I get it. You know, there's, just want to make sure, confirmation, God, can you confirm that, that you spoke to me? 
At some point, we'll talk about the adventure. Quick precursor, and then I'll come back to battle. An adventure can be defined as an unusual and exciting, typically hazardous experience or activity. Daring and exciting activity. Calling for enthusiasm. Gentlemen, can I submit this to you? Our life is ministry. It's not what you do on a Sunday morning. It's not what you do on a Wednesday night. It's not what you do in a special speaker conference. It's not what you do when you teach. It's not, do, uh, it's not what you do when you only preach. It's not only, um, you know, the specific ushering or, or um, greeter ministry you have or teaching to children in children's church, whatever. Those are good things. But a mentor of mine shaked me out of my little world and said, Randy, your life is ministry. That means I'm looking for opportunities, and many of us have shared those opportunities, about the grocery store, about uh, on the golf course, about in your neighborhood. Um, boy. <laughs> it's always such a challenge to keep on time. I'll share that story with you later in my neighborhood when I came home from men's Bible study and was going to go into my house and mind my own business, but there was an ambulance down the street in the driveway, and I'll share that story with you at another time. But, gentlemen, what I want to remind you of, the biggest thing I want you to, to walk away with is that you're a son who is empowered, who has been trained, who is able, and we just have to do our part with a willing and say, God, I'll do it. I'll, I'll, I'll do this. I'll, I'll stand up. I'll, I'll confront this. I'll pray for this. I'll stand in the gap for this. I've been praying a lot for our country lately, a lot. <clears throat> the Bible says pray for those who are in authority over you. Gentlemen, would you stand here this morning? I want to keep you on time. As you're standing, you see, remember with, with uh, David, Saul wanted him to wear his own armor. And David put on Saul's armor, and I think if I remember right, David could turn around inside the armor. <laughs> it was way too big. He goes, I will go with what I know. And he went with how God had gifted him. So don't try to be a Pastor Dwayne. Don't try to be uh, Perry Stone. Don't try to, be, well, of course you don't want to be Joyce Meyer. <clears throat> but uh, there's just a lot of things you don't want to try to be, but you want to be who God gifted you to be because that's where the power is, in your giftings. And you're different. So the temptation is to compare ourselves to somebody else. But coming back to Goose and Maverick, if you've been hurt or wounded by someone in authority, if you've been disappointed or disrespected by a friend or a dad or a mom, if you've been hurt, and as guys, we don't want to admit being hurt. This is an opportunity for you to start fresh. It's pretty simple, but it takes courage and confidence to say, God, I'm confident you're going you're to do this thing in me, but I'm going to have the courage. I'm going to do this, God. I'm going to trust you that I'm going to engage again. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to pull myself up on my own bootstraps. I'm not going to jump out of the pit. I'm not going to make it happen. But we're, it's surrender and humility. I didn't read this, but James 4 talks about humble yourselves in the Lord, therefore. Humble yourselves before the Lord. And um, he gives grace to the humble, and he resists the proud. So if there's pride in our lives, we have to say, God, my pride has prevented you from interacting with me and working through me. But there comes healing, too, as Father God.
And that's what the Holy Spirit does in revelation, not information. Father God, I thank you in Jesus' name that regardless of our experience, Lord, we've had a variety of experiences, disappointment, disillusionment, disrespect. But here's the good news, Jesus. You told us that you have experienced all of these things. All of these things. So you know what it's like to be hurt and rejected, to be left alone, to be, dis, to, uh, to be talked about, gossiped about, to take it on the chin when it wasn't our fault. So Lord, in Jesus' name, I thank you that each man will receive a measure of healing, an opportunity to step back up, to engage again like Top Gun, to take a stand again for longevity and not turn back and compromise like William Wallace. And most importantly, like Jesus, who Isaiah 50 verse 4 says, I have turned my face like flint and I will not turn back. I will not turn back. Father, I thank you. As we move forward, you have our back. And I thank you for bringing that revelation, whatever that little lie may be, the lie-based thinking that we are less than, we don't have what it takes, we messed up, we we failed. But God, in all of that, you are saying, get back up. Get back up. There's more for you. And you're whispering healing and confidence and that you love us unconditionally regardless of our performance. That's the truth. And I thank you that these men will move forward from this place, whatever that looks like, and receive the healing and the words that only you can speak to us and that you know and you understand, you care, and you want us to keep going. So, Father, I thank you for that reality, those words spoken to our hearts in the power of the Holy Spirit to empower us once again to not quit, but to engage for the kingdom for a time such as this. In the name of Jesus, I ask you for these things, Father. Amen. Amen. Well, gentlemen, thank you. Woo! Yeah. 736, thank you for letting me keep you over for a few minutes. Have a great day in the Lord, and expect him to do those things in your heart and life, as we have spoken about this morning, by faith.